Hey, Jason Rice here with Lot Party. And again, where the name comes from is if you ever been time on, have you ever spent time on a dealership's lot, you know what a lot party is. We go outside, we mix up that inventory, freshen it up, put cars in better spots to sell faster or easier. Sometimes we're out there cleaning up a mess and cleaning up the snow. And that's what we're talking about here in this show is a virtual lot party though. What do we got to do to stir up our inventory, to get things moving, to get some more leads on our cars, both new and used. And what I want to talk about in this show is markets. Okay. And a lot of times I deal with dealerships and they go, ah, you don't understand my market. Okay. I believe every, there is differences in every market, but First of all, the actual you know, philosophy of velocity or turning that inventory, money management, is the same in every market. When we're talking about used cars, you're dealing with a depreciating asset. So those theories and, and, and strategies hold true no matter what market you're in. So turning that inventory faster is gonna make your dealership more profit no matter what market it is. So when, again, I talk about velocity in some dealerships, they say, ah, you don't understand my market, that just don't work here. But again, those same principles work no matter where you're at. So for example, I much rather sell three cars in 60 days at $1,000 a copy then sell one car in 60 days for three grand a copy. Now, a lot of dealerships look at their average per vehicle, and you can say, well, I'd rather have a three grand average gross than a $1,000 average gross, but if I can sell three cars in the same time it takes one, I get three shots at F&I, three shots at trade-ins, three cars going through my service department, your dealership's more profitable. So that strategy is uh, irregardless of what market you're in. But let's talk about markets. Everyone is different. There's small dealers, there's big dealers, there's bad credit markets, there's high, high credit markets. And so there are those little niches and what we need to do with what we need to handle, what kind of cars we need to handle, and um, what kind of marketing and philosophy that we put out there to these consumers. Uh, but again, I, I want to key off of the fact that just money management's the same no matter what market you're in. What we're going to do today is we're actually going to interview a small town dealer. He's actually in Moberly, Missouri. Uh, Nick Miller, he's the manager there at, that is at uh, Moberly Motors, which is a Ford Chrysler Dodge Jeep. Moberly, Missouri is about two hours in the central of uh, Kansas City and St. Louis. There's the strip of Highway 70 just a little bit off of there. And he is coming from a real small town. And I want to talk about those struggles and or benefits that come from being in a small town. And one of the things, again, there's a lot of small towns dealers say, ah, well, I can't compete with that Kansas City guys or the St. Louis guys. And you got to understand, you know, some of that mindset is the fact that they don't believe they can pull in somebody from Kansas City or pull in somebody from St. Louis or whatever market you're in that two hour trip. Um, but my point to them is, you know, we might not be able to pull those customers into our market. I just don't want my customers shopping those markets and leaving me to go buy a car from them. So yes, I need to be looking at those particular larger markets, compete with those vehicles out there and just to maintain my current clients. There have been some very successful dealers that have gotten very aggressive in, in pricing their cars and pulling people in from all over the country. I was involved with uh, this uh, years ago with Finish Line Ford in Peoria, Illinois. They started selling 75 cars. They kicked that thing up to 250 cars, and they're pulling in people from all over the market. But again, that was a very aggressive pricing strategy, so it is possible. But one of the things I want to talk to uh, Nick about at this store is, you know, what are the benefits of small towns? And, and in some of these dealerships, you know, they have a certain clientele base that likes to do business with them. But again, there's, there are certain other battles. One example is I had a dealership in California, a very high populated area. That dealership has on AutoTrader, for example, I'll show you a chart here, pretty much over 750,000 shoppers in a month. 
where a store like Moberly, if you look at his numbers here, have about 18,000 shoppers or so in a month. But this same dealer in California where they have 750,000 shoppers on AutoTrader's site, you know, they'll average, I wrote down a number, 4,500 SRPs per car on average. You can see the spike here. They got up to 4,500 search results on their vehicles, and then they had about 100 VDPs per vehicle, and you can see the chart here. Where in comparison, Moberly Motors, that smaller dealer with about 18,000 shoppers, he tops out at maybe 2,000 SRPs per vehicle or search results for vehicles and around 40 plus maybe VDPs per vehicle. So you can see that's, that's a good half of the activity on those cars. And that's a struggle. So we want to go over some, again, best practices to help those dealerships, one, get that exposure because we don't have 750,000 shoppers. But even though you do have those 750,000 shoppers, you've got thousands of other cars that you're competing against in that market versus the other. So again, some of the tips I, I always go over is what I call flat pricing. I've done plenty of webinars or plenty, plenty of things, uh, talking videos talking about flat pricing. But quickly, that's instead of pricing a car at $19,995, we're talking about pricing it at $20,000 or set of $24,995. Put it at 25,000, 5, 10, 15, 28, you know, those type of numbers, even 11 and 13 are popular numbers that if you flat price them, you maximize your exposure. You get the 20 in grant less shopper and you get the 20 in higher shopper. And those cars tend to perform higher on the 20 and higher. So how does that work? Again, that's a small town dealer needs to maximize exposure. Flat pricing is critical because you get these dealers, these big time dealers that maybe pay for a premium package, alpha package and things on these websites that can bury you because they have more inventory and they have more dollars being spent on sites like an auto trader and stuff where they'll get packages and they'll bury you. But if you do certain strategies, one, flat pricing, two, comments and descriptions. Don't rely on these OEMs manufacturer terms like moonroof. Customers don't go to sites and look for moonroofs more likely. They tend to go and look for sunroofs. We go over those type of marketing strategies in another video. But again, what I want to do here, I want to dip into this interview with Nick, go over again what benefits he thinks he has with the small markets, what are some of the challenges, and those same ideas, one, could be used at any market you're using, but I want to really help out those small dealers that are competing with those big guys. And those big guys, sometimes these ideas you never thought about because you didn't have those struggles and they might work in your market too. So here real quick is our interview with Nick. Thanks. Hey, Jason Rice back here with Laptop. Like I said, we've got Nick Miller here from Moberly Motors. I want to interview him. He's the general sales manager. As a matter of fact, he's a, a jack of all trades there. He does everything at this store. But wanted to go over with him again some of the struggles that you know small dealers have in competing in this big market world. You know, there's big dealer groups that are getting bigger and bigger in these big markets, and they're actually starting to spread out in these smaller markets. So what does a guy do? So Nick, first let me start off with um, Moberly, Missouri. What, what size is the town there? Uh, well, Jason, uh, Moberly is about uh, oh, somewhere between twelve and 13,000 people. Uh, we add, you know, if you want to add five or 6,000 in uh, surrounding small towns, uh, but we're uh, a lot of uh, of cornfields and uh, open space out here. Is there anything Moberly is known for? Uh, anything we're known for, boy, yeah. You know, <laughs> for a small town, we're, we're based <laughs> off a of railroad, and uh, we've got... Uh, 
uh, a lot of actually big companies that uh, have come through here, but uh, DuPont and yeah. Orsalins and uh, Orsaline Farm and Home, it's, uh, anybody from the Midwest, it's, uh, it's all based out here. So, absolutely. Okay, okay. I mentioned Peoria, Illinois uh, earlier, and, you know, they have, um, what is it, uh, Cat and the big, uh, you know, bulldozers and stuff like that. I think oh, it's Caterpillar. Cat, right? yeah, Caterpillar. Caterpillar, there we go. Yeah, they have them out of there, which becomes a big part of their market. But, so it, and with that in mind, your domestic store, right? Ford, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep? Uh, that's correct. Think that helps you at advantage being in a small town versus maybe a Honda store or something? I, you know, I, I think it does. I think you have to be uh, in a small town with uh, you've got to you know maximize all your opportunities and and having uh, multiple franchises in one location is a mm -hmm. uh, is a bonus for us uh, that we can you know we can cross across six different brands uh, at one spot versus sometimes at the metro you have to uh, go to many different dealerships to do that so uh, it helps us uh, get the sales numbers up uh, our volume and inventories up uh, over what a, a normal smaller town would be without multiple franchises and this might be a silly question but safe probably assume that it is a pretty dominant domestic type market right uh, so we're, we're, yeah, we're very buyers. very heavy in, in, in the domestics uh ford and chevy are the top two uh brands uh, that, that you see across uh followed cl closely by chrysler and then you fall off to the imports but uh definitely the okay. uh, big three dominate our area so give uh viewers kind of a mindset how big acre wise or lot size maybe and then how many units are you sitting at on the lot um so our our main lot right here um is about five acres uh we've actually just purchased uh, about seven more acres that surround us at this point in time but that's not occupied right. at this point in time um we sit uh between we have a, probably about 120 new units on the ground and somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 uh, pre-owned units on the ground. So I know, you know, working with you that one of the biggest struggles I would say, and, I, and it happens at a lot of smaller stores, is kind of the turnaround time, getting those cars in and out of service, that goes into personnel and help. You know, what what's, um, what's one of your biggest struggles or maybe, you know, upsides of, you know, that particular lot or even just personnel getting that stuff turned around? Sure. I mean, just lot. like you, just like you were saying in a small town, it's, it's always, it's always a struggle to, uh, to find and, uh, and, and keep people. But, you know, on the digital marketing side, uh, finding someone, you know, the, just as simple as, as, as stuff to, to take pictures, quality pictures and descriptions and updating stuff and, and having that turnaround time, having the, the personnel to uh, to man that is is always a struggle. Uh, I think I told you the other day my uh, my long term gal that's been doing my, my digital uh, uploads of, mm -hmm. of pictures and stuff has been on vacation for two weeks. So uh, we've been on a struggle for that. It's it's a one man show and then it becomes a my man show. So uh, you yeah. know it, it's a, it's a struggle to, to maintain that uh, day in day out for sure. Yeah, and so a lot of people might say, well, you don't have that much inventory. It shouldn't be that hard to keep up on it. But then you don't have that much employee staffing to do it because you're out there trying to do everything else, too, on top of it. Right? That, yeah, that's correct. I mean, you, you wear a lot of hats. Uh, yeah, there's, there's times, like I said, when, uh, when my girl's out of town that, uh, yeah, I have my detail guys pulling up uh, used units up next to the door so I can, in between appraisals, you can run out and take some pictures of it and come in and un upload them uh, right behind that. Uh, you know, you try to get a couple other people that don't do it as well. Uh, that becomes yeah. a struggle, and all of a sudden you have you have uh, rough pictures. So, uh, you know, everyone pitches in and does uh, does the extra stuff when when someone's not here for sure. 
And then you're in the Midwest, so throwing the weather on top of all that, right? To try well, to juggle yeah. it too. We, we've been a little blessed this winter, uh, for the most part. No, uh, very little snow or ice, but uh, it is about yeah. 12 degrees outside right now, so I'm not uh, interested in sitting out there and taking pictures of 30 cars right now. Now, here's a quick tip. Now, I ran into this last year. I don't think a lot of dealers run into this, and I'm sure you're smart enough to do this. I, I was, we do that virtual lot walk, making sure all the cars are standing tall. And there's a lot of dealerships right now that, you know, they'll be taking photos with the car on because the photo person wants a warm car when they get in it. Um, but then that leads to smoke. It looks like the car's smoking when it's just, you know, based on the cold and the humidity. You, 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 find, else, so. you find all, all sorts of different battles <laughs> with that. Yeah, you got the... You got yeah. the your exhaust smoke look coming out of the tailpipe and fogging up and getting yeah. foggy pictures. You got fog on uh, windows. You got fog in the uh, dash and fog. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, it's everywhere. And then, you know, of course, we'll, we're we're hopefully 30 days away from uh, the other side where you take pictures of snow in the background or snow yeah. under the tires or something like that. And all of a sudden, it's springtime. It's like, good lord, how long have you had that car? So uh, that's that's the yeah. flip battle on that too. Yeah. So one of the things I wanted to ask you, what what are some of the advantages you think of being a small town dealer? You know, I mean, there, there there's a there's a there are a lot of good things about being a small town and being a smaller store. You can be pretty nimble. Uh, you know, it, it's pretty uh, it's pretty easy. I say easy, but easier when you get in a bind with uh, with some used cars and, and you know you get out of uh, you get some stuff that's old and you need to turn some stuff. You know, I'm talking about. 10 units, 12 units sometimes to get rid of um, versus a large store that, you know, I mean, that could be, who knows, 50, 60, 80, 100 units. Um, yeah. But so if we see, if, you know, if we see the market coming and see the market changing, we can change with it pretty, pretty quickly. Uh, it didn't, you know, I can, I can really shift my buying strategy pretty quick and turn on a dime. I don't have hundreds of cars coming in every week. Um, you know, we're, we're dealing with, you know, 10 cars or something, 20 cars. And so you can, yeah. you can turn those things around pretty quick. Uh, the other thing is, I mean, there's obviously less competition, um, in the immediate market. I, I've got, uh, we have the two main franchises of, of Ford and Chrysler. Uh, there's a GM store in town, but other than that, there's not another store for 60 miles northeast and west. I have a large dealer group to the south of me, but, but there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of space and a lot of area out there that uh, to cover, so um, people aren't aren't afraid to uh, to drive a little bit to uh, to come see us. So that helps a lot. Well, with that seclusion, do you get people being loyal to you, or is that still tough? Well, it's that's still tough. I mean, there's you know there everyone's always you know in the world of the internet, everyone's drawn you know drawn to other locations for stuff i mean we pull people from other locations um and other people pull from us so um it, it's a it's a forever you know a tug and tug of war to try to keep people keep your population with you and keep that loyalty factor um uh, but you know there's always the the dreams of the big city and and what the big city deals are um that will will lure people away absolutely so a couple questions with that would it be more likely statistically that your customer in that smaller market would just drive to that other dealer that maybe is an hour or two hours away for that better deal? Or do they tend to come to you first and say, hey, you know, I'd love to do business with you. Here's what they're doing. Will you match it? What what tends to happen? Sure. More you know, times there, than that? There's, a, there's a solid mix of that, Jason. Um, you know, we, we always say if we can maintain, and, you know, I don't need to pull anybody in if I can maintain the business that happens in, you know, in my 15-mile radius of, of our town. There's enough population, enough car sales here that um, that we can do what we need to do to, to run a profitable business. That being said, um, you know, 
we are missing the opportunity on some people that we don't even get a chance for. Um, and and we we talk about that, you know, monthly on in our advertising and our and our marketing strategies of, you know, we need to get the opportunity. How do we get the opportunity? Because I think when we get the opportunity, we we do a darn good job of closing deals. Um, yeah. But we got to get the opportunity, and we've got to get the the, the people that don't give us a chance to give us a chance because when we do we we, we close it down and, and sell cars yeah so what it would be some of the disadvantages would you say that being well, a small dealer i mean being a small town is is purely the the real easy one is inventory um you know okay. there's guys that are smaller than us for sure but you know having 120 new and and you know 50 60 used on the ground um i don't have everything you know i've got a i got a big dealer to the south of me that they have over 6,000 cars in their in their inventory. Mm. Uh, so, yeah. you know, to, to say that uh, that we don't have a color, they probably do. We don't have an option. They mm. probably do. Um, where some people will will give you the shot to go find something for them, uh, other people won't. And you know, maybe they drive by or drive through it after hours, and you don't have the inventory. Um, then then they go on. Uh, that's yeah. that's one of. I mean, that that is the disadvantage. That's not you know. There's really no other disadvantage. That's the disadvantage right there. Well, I guess kind of to flip that, though, to give you a little bit of advantage would be knowing what cars to stock. If you get real efficient with shopping auctions, knowing what market, what vehicles turn, what to put in your market, in your inventory, <clears throat> I guess that would give you an edge because I know a lot of dealers still struggle with having the time to spend, be able to shop for those cars and put sure, them Sure, that's, you, that's, you, that's you know, you, you've got to be efficient with your inventory when, when you're trying to, when you're trying to sell 100% of your inventory every month, which is what we do, you know, we're, we're trying to sell 100% or more of our inventory every month and we're turning it. Um, it's, it's being efficient with what you're buying. You know, you're not out there just buying, you know, every rental car that runs through the block or, yeah. you know, like that, you're, you know, you're not filling your lot with, you know, 2015, you know, Impalas or whatever, not that that's not a good car, yeah. but, you know, whatever it may be. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, you know, you, you get those, you know, those commodities that, that people, that there's just hundreds and thousands of them that run through. You can't, if you just fill mm -hmm. your lot with that, you're not going to just draw people uh, and sell at, at the rate you need to sell at. Now, you talked about one of the advantages being able to be nimble because you don't have a ton of inventory. When you need to shift, you can shift. But I guess one of the disadvantages also could be the fact that one, two, three car deals or one, two, three bad trades, you know, could really kind of throw off the whole month, you know. No, I yeah, I mean, that's trade. absolutely. I mean, you do a, yeah, you make a, make a, make a bad trade and, and, and make a mistake or put something too, you know, too much in it and you have a shop problem or uh, it happens. Uh, it happens. I, uh, you know, the deal that comes to mind, I mean, everyone has one that I, you know, about three or four months ago, I, I bought a, bought a vehicle at auction and came through and it had an engine replaced and had a transmission replaced and, and uh, I sold it, and the customer saw it. I bought it back, and I took a bath of it, trying to get rid of it. Uh, it's just one of those deals that uh, everybody has a bad deal, but when you have one and you're a smaller store, the dollars hurt you quicker than they than they do somewhere else. And some of the stuff is a little pre predictable at yours, and I, I'm just reflecting back, you know, and helping you a little bit with your inventory. A few months back, going into the end of the year, farmers tend to come out, and they, before the end of the year, try to trade out, and you ran through a, a time where you had a handful, half a dozen, or maybe even more, 30, 40 grand trade-ins, trucks that tend to bleed through, because you just don't, have, once those guys buy, you know, who's left? Yeah, so, it's it, you know, it, yeah the, the dollars get tough. Um, you know, it's great while you're trading for them. Uh, yeah, we did uh, back in October. I think we traded for 
some of the neighborhood, 10 or 12 uh, Lariat F-150 crew cabs that were a year or two old, but all of them, and they're all, you know, they're all pushing $40,000 a piece. Uh, you know, when you have a million dollar, you know, used car operation, um, you know, 12 or 10 or 12 $40,000 trucks uh, eat you up pretty quick. Um, so yeah. you've got to figure out how to, how to turn them and, and get out of them so you can get more of those $15,000 cars that, uh, that really make the money. Yeah. yeah, and I guess that's one of the advantages. It's pretty predictable. That's a seasonality thing that happens in a smaller town. But it's also something that holds you back because you're going to have to, again, figure out a way to move that. Yeah, you're that not, I mean, you're not going to not make that deal. Um, you're going to make yeah. that deal. You're going to sell the new truck and, and go down the road. you got to keep those customers. Um, those guys are the same ones that come in and, and buy their wives' cars and kids' cars and, and their neighbors buy other stuff. Uh, you know, just because they're buying a $50,000 truck uh, doesn't, you know, I'm going to sell it, no, no doubt. I'm not going to look at my used car lot and go, yeah. uh, no, I can't take another, you know, yeah. $38,000 uh, Lariat in. I'm going to take that thing yeah. in. Uh, we're just going to have to figure out to, to put the right money on it and, and make sure we get out of it uh, fairly quickly. Now, to wrap this up, then, what would be, again, maybe some tips for small dealers out there to help you? You know, I mentioned flat pricing and, and, and comments and description. I'm big on that because I think that helps that smaller dealer get that edge. When you are competing in these other markets, you know, pricing a car at 20 grand gets you ahead of that 19999 car, but it also maximizes exposures and comments. But, I mean, what would you say is maybe one of those good tips to give out there to both even small dealers that a big dealer might not even thought about because he don't deal with those problems? Right. Well, I mean, I think I think you kind of hit the nail on the head on a couple of those things that we've been working on. Um, you know, from the flat pricing, um, I think that's been I mean, that's that's a game changer on traffic on on used cars. Uh, you've got to know, you know, if I, I would venture to say that there's you know 80 percent or higher of, of the guys out there running operations don't know what the buckets are. You know, on on mm -hmm. Auto Trader, on Cars.com, on Car Gurus, um, you know, on their own website. You've got to know where the buckets are. Um, you won't price buckets, you know, right? Yeah, your price buckets. Sorry, your price buckets. Uh, because if you don't, if you don't know, you're going to get caught in, in no man's land. I think you and I, you know, we discussed that on on one pickup right. in particular. That you know, they all of a sudden you get up to forty thousand dollars, and the price buckets go from forty to forty-five thousand. All of a sudden, it's not a two thousand dollar bucket; it's a five thousand dollar bucket, and we are priced in the middle of it. And you get lost, you know. I was getting more traffic on it at forty-five thousand dollars when I was at forty-two thousand um, dollars. It's yeah. you've got to know where those buckets are, and and that's where the flat, flat pricing makes a difference. Um, I, you know, going back, I don't know how long I've been doing that now. Well, it's been two uh, and a half, three years. Three, now. four years. Yeah. Yeah. Three, four years. I, think. I mean, I, you yeah. know, I, I venture to say that our our traffic on on the flat pricing has has, you know, at least one third higher than what it was before. Um, yeah. We just started doing it on our new back in uh, November, and the, the traffic uh, that we're getting on the on the third-party sites on our new inventory um, has been incredible. So it, it gets you exposure. Yeah. It gets when you're a small guy, every every click you get is is more important than the last. So um, yeah. it's 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 that's that's real that's real traffic right there. Yeah, yeah, and that's why I was making a comparison before, and I need to do the math. But you know, like I said, I mentioned a guy in California who can get seven hundred fifty thousand shoppers in his market on Auto Trader. You're running about eighteen thousand shoppers. I got the graphs here to show it. But the thing is, he'll have forty five hundred SRPs per car in that big of a market, and you're getting 
2,000 SRPs. Now that's half, but you're not half the market. I mean, you're tenths of his market. Right. And same with the, the VDPs per car. He, he was running about 100, you're running about 40. So, you know, you do some of those things that helps mac maximize that exposure. So, you know, that, that that's definitely got to be thought through. And I think, you know, again, I'm talking about sunroof and moonroof, you know, having both in there to maximize exposures. But again, to wrap this up, is there anything, uh, again, that you think some dealers might need to know out there. Is there any advantages that, um, you know, again, maybe the, the larger dealer didn't even think about that the small guys run into? You know, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's all about the turn, Jason. It's all, it's all about, you know, managing the, getting the vehicles in, getting them, you know, um, I'm working on trying to uh, dial in our pictures uh, on our stuff right now, um, you know, mm -hmm. switch around how we're doing our recon, you know, doing pictures and stuff first before recon. Uh, I kind of been a 50-50 guy on that, and, and I just kind of made it made it go. So I, I think, you know, the quicker you get it to market, the, the quicker you can sell it, the quicker you can go. Uh, then knowing, again, where, you, where your price buckets are on all your sites because uh, you can definitely see the traffic spike, uh, and you can almost predict when a car will sell by, by when you see that stuff. So that's yeah. the stuff you got to keep an eye on. And that's perfect ending to this interview because, again, like I said, before we coming in here, you know, the money philosophy, the velocity philosophy, turning that dollars is the same no matter if you're in a large dealership or a large market or a small market. You got to turn those dollars, and that makes you more profitable. I appreciate your time today, and uh, good luck with the rest of your month here. Thank you, Jason. Have a good one. Right, you too. Bye. Hey, that was a great interview with Nick there. And again, I hope that was helpful for you guys. Now, basically, we're coming back from that. You know, every market is different, but man, we all struggle with the same struggles. Personnel, finding the people, the you know, good people to work, get those photos, get the turnaround time done, get that inventory turning. And again, we all end up in some bad cars and get stuck in our inventory. But the key here is, again, regardless of a small market or big market, each one has its advantages and disadvantages, but it all comes down to getting that velocity, getting that turn going. And I hope this video was helpful. Tune in next week. I'm going to interview a, a Highline dealer that's dealing with the Acker Infinity store that does Velocity. You know, I know a lot of Highline dealers that struggle with, well, you know, waiting for that right buyer. These are higher dollar stuff. It's harder to turn them. We invest a lot in our certification. I don't want to give them away. We're going to sit down and interview a dealer that's a Highline dealer that's doing a true Velocity, turning that inventory and what the benefits of that is. So tune in next week. Thanks for your time.